It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. A few reminders about where we are and where we're going, what God is up to. Next week, there is no loft because we will all be on Thanksgiving break. Yes. Yes. So remember that. No loft next week. Don't drive back from Iowa early uh, for anything. Um, And then uh, this Wednesday, since it's an abbreviated week, we will have our song fest on Wednesday. So we'll have a Thanksgiving sing on Wednesday. So come on. Come on. Come on. And bring your singing voices on Wednesday for that. And now, uh, I also want to say last week we did Operation Christmas Child, right? Turns out they had a beautiful booth downstairs, even though um, our friend didn't make it upstairs previous. And the last day to drop off your shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child is tomorrow by 11 outside the offices of um, student development, okay? In the Commons Annex, where my office is, where the ATM is, for those of you who, you know, orient your lives around such things. Um, So just a heads up on that. And then um, just the annual reminder that I give, particularly for those of you who have not yet been home since school began. This is a reminder that you have grown up quite a bit since August. Your parents, however, are pretty sure you're the same kid they sent away. Okay? So they're going to say things to you like, um, you're going out now? And, and when will you be back? And they're, they're going to say these things out of deep and abiding love. And so your response is not to go, it's to go, yeah, mom, I'm going to go out now. I'm going out with these two people. And I, I'm guessing I'm going to be back then. And I'll always have my phone. That's what you say, okay? So it's be nice to your parents weekend. When you go home, be very nice to them. Um, If they see your maturity, they will give you more slack. It'll go really well. If you raise things like, hey, in my Bible study, this is what I learned. Big points. Do that. Okay? So so when you you think about going home for Thanksgiving, remember to care well for the people who are caring for you. Don't just go home with a bunch of dirty laundry and think it's going to just suddenly become clean and folded. Okay? We had a demonstration about that, all right? So be nice to your parents when you go home for Thanksgiving. Um, And then I want to invite up, oh wait, no, I don't want to do that yet. I have like a list with numbers, so many things. As we look ahead to next semester, uh, we're looking at a sermon series on the question, what if it's true? What if it's true? So imagine you're in a dorm basement. It's late at night. You're having one of these deep discussions that people have in dorm basements late at night. And one of you turns to the other and says, well, what if that's true? Like, what if it's actually true that Jesus rose bodily from the dead? What if it's actually true that God called the people of Israel out of all the other people of the world? Why would he do that? What if that's true? What if it's true that Jesus actually wants us to follow him in every area of our life? What if that's true? What if it's true that our money and our sex lives matter to God? What if it's true? So now that I've got you thinking a little bit about this, what we're going to do is we're going to hand out cards 
And we're going to invite you to craft the sermon series for next semester. What do you want to hear a sermon on? What if it's true that you get to complete it? Okay? Yeah, are you clear on the assignment? Good. All right. What if it's true? So our, um, our friends are going to hand out the cards and the pens and write them down, and then uh, we'll move on after that. So who are our, our card hander outers? collect those in just a minute. But now I'd like to invite our friends Connor and Mary up front to talk to us out about a project they're doing with the Community Care Fund. Connor and Mary, everyone. Good evening. Oh. It's okay. Good yeah. evening, everyone. Um, my name is Connor Schmidt. and My name is Mary Van Poland. Yeah, as you already know. Um, but Hopefully, as you came into Loft today, you got a dum-dum, not because we think you're dum-dums, but because candy's awesome. And on that sucker was a little tag that had the acronym CCF, which stands for, Community say it with me, Community, Community Care, Care Fund. Fund. Yes. 
Um, I feel kind of like this is sacrilegious that I'm saying it instead of Pastor Mary here, right, but buddy. okay, thank you. Um, the Community Care Fund is a pool of money donated by students, faculty, staff, alumni, and parents of Calvin College, the parents of the students, not of Calvin College, um, and it's used by us students. Um, so hopefully throughout the week, they've what, seen, you can tell posters. Okay, yeah, these posters. So up on the screen is an example of one of the posters. Um, we emailed students who have been affected by the Community Care Fund or who have received aid, um, at, in which it was a huge blessing for them. It is an opportunity if there's ever um, kind of an emergency need in the family or um, dental work or a death in the family. This fund helps them either get home to the funeral or get that dental work done. So we had um, a couple of testimonies shared with us and we made these posters and they're up around campus. Um, and we just wanted to let you guys know that throughout the year, often the funding goes down second semester and we really want to keep that funding up um, and that really depends on the student body and you guys. So um, you'll see these posters around and there's a lot of different opportunities to give on campus. You can do that tonight in Loft, um, online, different opportunities. So. Just be on the lookout for the posters, and if you have any questions about it, you can ask Connor or I or Mary, anyone, anyone involved in Loft, really. So. And we have extra suckers if you didn't get yeah, one. Yeah, we have a couple more. Okay, thank you. Good chance. There you go. People are going above and beyond. That's a very good thing. So now we're going to collect your offering for the Community Care Fund and your pens and your cards for the What If It's True sermon series. So our ushers will do that. And while they are doing that, I'm going to invite up Jackie Sikama and Adam Weersma, who are going to talk to us about Calvin Gives Back. Adam and Jackie, everyone. Hello, everyone. Um, as Pastor Mary said, I'm Jackie Sikama, and this is Adam Weersma. Hi, everybody. And we're on the Student Philanthropy Committee, which was formed this year. Um, and our intent is to discuss giving at Calvin, as well as to educate students about the topic of philanthropy. Um, so what we're trying to do is to encourage the giving that's already happening on Calvin's campus, as well as think about and brainstorm new ways to give. Um, and in doing so, Adam can explain what we're going to be doing this week. Mm -hmm. So this week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, will be Calvin's first ever Calvin Gives Back week. Um, this is called Calvin Gives Back. So it celebrates the giving that has already occurred um, by our generous donors, and it also is set up to educate students about the generous donations and gifts that, have, that we've received um, from alumni and friends. So in doing so, we have thank you cards um, that you can sign and that will be sent out to donors. So tonight after Loft, in the basement, you can write a quick note, um, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, in the Spoolhoff Fieldhouse lobby, and in the chapel, and the library lobby are the three locations where those thank you cards will be also set up. So you can just take a minute out of your time, take some time, write a nice note, say thank you to the donors who make it possible for you guys to attend Calvin. Make sure you tell your friends. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, guys. Very good. Look at the timing on this. Such a good thing. Thank you, Abby. 
In the prayer tonight, I'm going to be um, praying for Paige Stevens, one of our students, a sophomore on Rooks. Paige's father died on Friday after a long battle with cancer. And uh, so she's going into a holiday season that'll be markedly different than previous ones for her. And so we're gonna lift up Paige today. And then some of you who are seniors may remember a student named Brenna Hannon. Brenna, when she was a freshman, collapsed out in the field and suffered uh, an arterial venal malformation that had burst in her brain, and she remains in a coma to this day. And some of us were around then, and some of us remember, and so we're going to pray for Brenna and her family today as well. Will you join me in prayer? Our God, we give you praise and thanks that you are a God who cares. That when we talk about caring for others and being generous, it's simply an imitation of what you have done for us again and again and again. Thank you for caring deeply for us. Thank you for being so generous with us. You continue to give your good gifts. And we have seen that this week. We have seen that in the joy of cheering on athletes. We have seen that in the joy of watching our friends dance. We have seen that in the joy of projects completed and friendships deepened and people loved well. We thank you that we, many of us, enjoy times with you in prayer and meditation and reading scripture where we're reminded again and again of your deep love for us. Thank you, God, for loving us so well. We pray that Paige, our sister, will experience your deep love this weekend. We thank you that her father was a man of faith. We thank you that he was a man who enjoyed your world. And as a pilot, he loved to fly and to take his friends to see your world from different angles and perspectives. We thank you that he loved his family we pray for Paige and her sisters and brother. We pray for her mom, extended family. We pray for those who loved her dad. We pray that your deep comfort will be with this family in this time of mourning. And we pray for the family of Brenna Hannon. We pray for her mom and her dad as their lives were changed in every way three years ago when Brenna collapsed. And Lord, we pray that you'll continue to bless them and the decisions that they make around Brenna and her care. We pray that you continue to strengthen their relationships now that they've, they've moved to Grand Rapids and have found church and friends here. Pray that you continue to build into them and weave them into this community. And Lord, we pray for those of us who are uh, just so eager to be home. We've been homesick for a long time, and we just can't wait to get into the car and go or get on that plane and leave. So, Lord, keep us faithful to the work we need to do between now and when we leave. And, Lord, we do pray that all of us, when we are with family and friends this weekend, when we are guests in the home of other people, when we are practicing a holiday that is unusual to us because it's from a different country, we pray that we will be agents of salt and light that we will be people of grace in awkward discussions, that we will be people who demonstrate our maturity that is founded in you. 
Lord, we ask that you bless our Thanksgiving times and may we truly find things every day for which we can give you thanks. We pray a blessing on the Community Care Fund. We thank you for those students whose lives have been impacted and who are willing to say it. We thank you for Connor and Mary and their project. And we pray that it bears fruit. We thank you for Calvin Gives Back. What a great tradition to begin. And Lord, as we sign thank you notes for people who make sacrifices so that we can be here, we pray that we will be generous and that we will be reminded again of your wonderful care for us. We thank you for the many donors who provide so that we can be here. We thank you for the scholarship dinner where many of us met our donors for the first time. Thank you, Lord, for the stories and the testimonies that were shared around tables that night. We truly have so much to be grateful for. And Lord, as we turn to your word, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will attend us. That as we finish the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, that it will not be finished with us. That it will go deep into all the cracks and crevices. And that you will knit it within us. So it will simply become part of who we are as your disciples. Thank you, God, for loving us and caring for us so well. Father, Son, and Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyone else fighting the crud right now? I think that's the medical name for it, the crud. I'm almost done with the crud. <clears throat> it's not spiritual crud. All right, we are finishing off the Sermon on the Mount in one grand and glorious chunk today. So we're looking at the end of Matthew 7. This can be found in your Pew Bibles on page 788. Page 788. We'll be reading chapter 7, verse 13 to the end. Hear what Jesus says. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow, and the road is hard, that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns, or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, 
Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rains fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. So let me see if I start a line. Let me see if you can finish it. Are you ready? But I still wake up. I still see your ghost. Oh, Lord. Yes, I was going to sing it, but my voice is just not good. Oh, I'm still not sure what I'm standing for. I'm still not sure what I'm standing for. We had this band on campus this week. You may have heard about that. And that's, that's one of the songs that they sing. I'm still not sure what I'm standing for. I'm still not sure what I'm standing for. Tonight, Jesus asks of us, what are you standing for? What are you standing for? It's very tempting for us to think of Jesus as nice and easy, kind to children and animals, like a first-century Jewish Santa Claus. And then we hear these words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, some people are going to come to me and they're going to say, look, we did some really good stuff in your name. And I'm going to say, get away from me. I never even knew you. Heavy words. Hard words. In fact, Thomas Jefferson didn't like them so much that he cut them out of his Bible, along with many other things. He had a very small Bible. (laughs) Because we want to see Jesus as this nice person. I was having an email exchange with one of our students who's studying abroad, and she's doing a, a study of the Old Testament on her own. And she wrote to me and she said, I can't figure out why God is so mean in the Old Testament. Like, why is he so big on purity and casting other people out? She says, it seems like there's this Old Testament God and a New Testament God. And in our exchanges, I said, now remember, it's really important to know that there's one God. It's unfortunate that our Bible has this odd split because the real thing is one whole grand story of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and how God interacts with God's people. It's all one story. It's all one God. And here in Matthew 7, we get a glimpse, we get a look at the same God we've seen all along. Because at the very beginning, Garden of Eden beginning, God says to them, hey, You can have any tree you want, any tree at all. Eat lots, apples, lemons, pears, grapes. I like the cherries. Anyone you want, 
Anyone you want. One here, this tree, don't eat this tree. Don't eat this tree. You got a choice. Many trees, not this tree. Joshua is going with the people into the land. He says, hey, everybody, glad you're here. A couple things I want to lay out. I'm going to lay before you today blessings, curses, life, death. Here's a tip. Choose life. <laughs> Psalm 1. You studied it last year if you were with us. It was our Bible study. We did the Psalms. We did Psalm 1. Blessed are those who go in the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And then we have Jesus. There's a narrow gate and a hard road. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to make it. Choose wisely. What are you standing for? And what's really important to know is that if you look at all of these conversations that God has with God's people, it's with God's people that he's having the conversation. It's with the people of God who hear this. He doesn't say to Adam and Eve, hey, you and I, we are so close. This isn't even going to be a temptation for you, but there's this tree over there. Just don't go near it. Other people are going to go near it. Pagans are going to go near it. Oh, wait. It's just you two. <laughs> Joshua doesn't say to the people of Israel, everybody out there, they're going to choose the death. They're going to choose the curses. I don't know why. All those other nations and tribes that we're going to slaughter and clean up after, like they're all choosing poorly, but we're only going to choose life because we're so good at it. Psalm 1 doesn't say, oh, righteous people, don't worry because the wicked temptations never affect you. They just slide right off. And Jesus here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount is talking to his intimate followers. He's talking to the people that he has called. He's talking to the people that he has healed. He's talking to the people who have sat there and heard all of this, who want nothing more than to be in relationship with him, who want nothing more than to see him continue to work in his mighty ways around him. It's to this group of people that he speaks. He's not saying... Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and a whole bunch of the pagan people are going to find that. Don't follow them. You all are safe because you know the gate and the road. No. He's looking into the eyes of Peter and Andrew and James and John. He's looking into the eyes that are seeing him after he healed them from blindness. He's speaking into the ears of people who used to be deaf before they met him. He's looking in the eyes of people who've already said, I want to choose that gate. I want to be with you, Jesus. I'm in. And it's to them, his dear disciples, it's to them, the people that he's healed, it's to them, the people who love him, it's to them, it's to us. That Jesus says, look, I'm not messing around. This is hard work. 
Obedience is hard work. And the road that you're going to go on as an obedient follower of me is hard. But it leads to life. And it is hard, isn't it? It is hard. We've spent 10 weeks looking at it together. It's pretty challenging. Like, how y'all doing on your anger? Is it just like evaporated since we started studying this? Oh, my lust has completely gone out the window. No problem at all anymore. I'd never judge anyone. I love my enemies. You know, except when we're at certain sporting events and their names are introduced. How you doing? It's hard to not worry anymore. How you doing on that one? To not hang on to your precious. How we doing? It's hard. And that's why Jesus says you got to watch out for false prophets. And false prophets are anybody who comes into your life and says, following Jesus is easy. If you're obedient to God, you will get good things. Anyone who preaches like they should be in an infomercial, probably false prophet. (laughs) Anyone who says to you that if you follow God, you will have health, you will have wealth, false prophet. And again, these are other Christians he's talking about. He's not talking about Buddhists or Muslims or Hindus. He's talking about other Christians. He's talking about anybody who would try to take this hard road and say, ah, it's not that hard. Your sex life really doesn't matter that much to God. What you do with your money, you know, it doesn't really matter. There's grace, 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 grace. Beware of the false prophets, he says, and by your fruit you're going to know them. And when Jesus is talking about fruit, he's talking about everything that he's laid out. Are they people who are worried and anxious? Are they people who are clinging to their treasures? Ah, Stay away from them. Are they people who are contented? Are they people who know how to pray and how to fast and how to give generously? Ah, Probably someone you want to spend some time with. Beware the false prophets, he says. Beware the false prophets who will lure you to think that following Jesus is an easy road. And then he he does that thing about, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. On that day, many people will say to me, Lord, we did some great stuff for you. I mean, like, woo, barn burning, blow your mind kind of stuff. We cast out some demons over here. We prophesied up a storm over here. We did some amazing miracles over here. Like, what's the problem? And it's very scary when Jesus looks at them and says, I don't even know who you are. I don't know who you are. Go away. And we think, what is he talking about? That's like the good stuff. The casting out of the demons and the miracles and the pro- that's the good stuff. That's like really impressive. Where 
in the Sermon on the Mount, does he say, please be impressive? Please, please, you all have to cast out five demons, or I'm, eh, hmm. Would you, would you do a few more miracles, please? Would, would you prophesy some more, please? No. Jesus says, only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And the will of our Jesus, the will of his Father, is a long and steady obedience. Eugene Peterson has a great book, mostly because of the title. It's a great book too, but I just love the title so much. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Isn't that great? A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That's what Jesus is talking about. And friends, let me tell you something. Obedience, not so flashy. I was talking about this in my Bible study this week, and I just asked about obedience. Like, what time in your life have have you been called to a particular expression of obedience? One of the women in my group talked about breaking off an engagement. And she said, it was the weirdest thing. I'd been dating him and we got engaged and I was happy and his family was happy and my family was happy. And every time I went to pray to ask God to bless our relationship, I would just get this, this voice, break up with him. And she's like, I wasn't that kind of a person. I didn't hear the voice of God a lot. It was like, well, that, that can't be right. And she said, and I continued to pray about it. And for six months, she said, I just got feeling like, break it off, break it off. And six months into an engagement, boy, you're committed. Like, people have bought clothing. People have booked things. There have been deposits made. Families have gotten together and figured out holidays. Like, things have happened in six months. She was close to her brother, and she hadn't heard from him in a couple of weeks. And so she called him up, and she said, I, I haven't heard from you. He said, this is going to sound so weird, but I didn't want to talk to you because every time I pray about you, I get the same really weird thing, and I, I'm having dreams. She's like, what is it? He said, I think you need to break off your engagement. She was like, ah. And so she broke it off. And when you tell people that you're breaking off your engagement because God told you to, it doesn't go over well with the potential in-laws. They thought that she was cheating on him. They thought that she had other things going on and she just had to be faithful. And the beautiful thing was when she told him, he got it. He said, if God's telling you to do it, then took off the rings, gave them back. Hard. Not flashy. Someone else in our group talked about making a commitment to a church building campaign. And the commitment was made three years ago, you know, when the church started a campaign. And they got the letter this fall saying, hey, you owe this much on the church building campaign. And she said, I read the letter and I thought, I can't do that now. Like, this is the most financially stressed she's been in the three years since the campaign started. Right now, this season. They're planning for a big family event. They've made financial commitments. There are things going on. And she said, everything in me wanted to go, I'll just put the letter in the recycling bin. Maybe I'll just give half. And then she thought, no, you don't want to be that person. You made a commitment. You actually believe that when you follow through, God will provide. And so she said, I wrote the check, and I put it in an envelope, and I put it in the offering plate. 
It's not flashy. It's not showy. It's obedience. Some of you, as a result of listening to the Sermon on the Mount, reading the Sermon on the Mount, talking about the Sermon on the Mount, you've changed things. Some of your floors have gotten rid of certain ornamentation. Some of you have put, gotten into covenant partnerships around pornography. You've gotten that software that tracks each other and you're going to hold each other accountable on it. Some of you have said, I'm judging people way too much and I just need to get rid of it. Some of you have done the hard work of obedience and you know what you have seen? That it leads to life. It leads to life. Because there's nothing better than getting rid of the garbage. One of the things that you'll hear a lot in a college age crowd, you say things like this, oh, you know, when I go off into real life, when my life actually starts, like when I get a job and stuff. One of the commentators that I was reading this week pointed out that in verse 14 where Jesus says, the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. That what the real impact of the word is real life, true life, Life that matters. Jesus isn't messing around. What are you standing for? Are you living a life that matters? Real life is now. Now. I'm going to tell you something that's going to freak you out. You are going to be more stressed and more busy when you graduate from college than you are right now. It's true. One word, newborn. Can I have a witness? That's right. If you don't now get down the patterns of obedience in your life, it's not going to be easier when you graduate. It's not going to be easier if you get married. It's not going to be easier if you choose singleness. It's not going to be easier down the line when you're a parent, when you're an employee, when you're a boss. It's not going to get easier than it is right now. Real life is now. Obedience is now. What you do with your money now shapes how you handle your money in 10 years. What you do with your treasures now shapes how you teach your children, your nieces, your nephews to handle their treasures. Obedience starts now. Real life is now. Where do you stand? At the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, before Jesus ascends into heaven, he looks out at his disciples, the people that he has loved and walked with and worked with and eaten with. He looks out at these people and he says to them, Go! Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and do flashy things. No. And teach them to, what's the next word? Obey all of my commandments. Go out, make disciples, teach them to obey all my commandments. And then he says, and remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age.
Jesus invites us tonight, not some nights, <laughs> tonight to take a stand for what matters. And the only way that we can stand up for what matters is because Jesus Christ stood in for us. He stood in our place. When the judgment of God was real, he stood in our place and he took on our sin and our disobedience. He took it all upon himself to the cross and he died. And then he rose again. And now he stands with us. With us. You do not obey in isolation. You obey in community and you obey with our Lord Jesus standing by your side, for he is with us always to the end of the age. And so when we come and we take this meal together, we take it as nourishment for the hard road of obedience that Jesus is inviting us to walk. And we take it as a reminder that just as this bread is real and this juice is real, so real, so present is our Lord Jesus Christ with us in our obedience. So real is he, so present is he with us. So tonight he says, where do you stand? Some of us have grown up in faith, it's kind of been swirling around us, but we've never really made a commitment. Maybe tonight you need to talk with one of the chaplains who's here about being baptized, about professing faith. Maybe you have someone you love who's far from faith and you would want nothing more than to stand up with them when they stand up for Jesus, and maybe that means you meet with a prayer servant after worship and pray for that person. What are you standing for? As your Lord Jesus stood in for you. And he is proud to stand next to you. The road is hard. But the company simply cannot be beat. Will you pray with me? Our God, we give you praise and thanks on this day. For you invite us to a hard road. You invite us to live as obedient children. And God, you know that we fail. But we are so grateful that our Lord Jesus is there to pick us up. And that the Holy Spirit is there to animate us and inspire us and to use our gifts to encourage others who are on the road. So Lord, tonight we pray for any in this space who have not yet made a commitment to you, that they will speak it to someone, that they will stand up for what they believe in, that they will stand with you. And we pray for all we know and love who are far from you, Lord, that we will have the courage to stand and to speak of your love in our lives. And as we gather at this table, Lord, we pray that you fill us with a road that you have called us to walk. Help us, Lord, 
to build our lives on the rock, on the firm foundation. Help us to be doers of the word and not only hearers. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. On the night when he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, and after he blessed God, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and after he blessed God, he poured it. And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it to remember me. So as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we praise you that again and again and again in Scripture, you invite us to choose life. We thank you that you did not give up on us, but sent prophets and teachers to call us out of rebellion and into obedience. Jesus Christ, our Lord, we thank you for standing in for us, for taking our disobedience to the cross, for rising again victorious over sin and death and hell. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for animating us to live lives of obedience, for calling us deeper and deeper into real life, into true life. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit, for the gifts of this meal. May the bread that we break and the cup that we drink nourish us, feed us, and strengthen us to do your will. We pray this through Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to say with me what we stand for using the words of the Apostles' Creed. And we, we should stand, I think. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You'll be ushered forward to take communion tonight. If you haven't ever done this before with us, we invite you to take a piece from the loaf, and we have plenty of bread, and it is a feast. So don't do this, this thing with your little fingers like, do like this, okay? More of the claw than the pincher, all right? It's a feast. The body of Christ is given to you. 
So come forward and you're gonna take a piece from the loaf, you're gonna dip it into the cup, and the people who are serving will say the body of Christ for you and the blood of Christ for you, and you can say amen or thanks be to God. If you're a communicant member in your home church, if you take communion there, you're welcome to take communion here. If you're not yet a communicant member but would like to come forward, you're welcome to come forward to receive a blessing. You'll simply come forward and make the cross over your chest to receive the blessing. Our service tonight is sponsored by Plymouth Heights Christian Reformed Church. We are not a church, and it is one of our gifts that we have host congregations who come in and celebrate the feast with us. Jesus says to me, says to us, and me, and us, come, all who are weary, come, all who are broken, come, all who are disobedient, come, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light, because I stand with you. These are the gifts of God for the people of God.